0: Hi, this is Dr. Kimberly Linnert, the author of Visualizing Happiness in Every Area of Your Life and host of the podcast you're listening to right now, Incredible Life Creator. And my guest today is Bishop Perry. So Bishop Perry packed his trunk and drove across country in pursuit of freedom. His goal is to inspire people like you to live life on their own terms. Bishop Perry is a music publishing pro and creator of BHP royalty company, a music royalty collections company for the new music industry. He shows aspiring artists and songwriters simple steps for improving their royalty income. Welcome to the podcast. Thank
1: you. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. Thanks Bishop. So just so people can get to know you, why don't you tell us your story?
1: Oh, No, no problem. I, uh, I'm originally from St. Louis, Missouri, um, and I lived in Atlanta, Georgia, and lived in Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, all in pursuit of success. So, in initially, uh, in my journey, I had a job in St. Louis at a uh, corporate uh, organization called Ralston Purina, where I was, in, you know, had aspirations of being a chemical engineer, and. You know, it just, at that time in my life, I was 21 years old, I just wanted more. I just wanted more out of myself and I wanted more money at the time. So I took the leap of faith and I was currently, uh, at the time, doing promotions for five major record companies. So I had an idea of how the music business worked and I just thought that maybe I'll just lean my energy in that direction. And here we are, over 22 years later and i'm I'm here in the music business so that's kind of how my journey you know has has been
0: exactly in hotlanta and i'm from georgia (laughs) so we're georgians
1: (laughs) yes 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 a
0: great place to do music that's for sure
1: yes yes it's a wonderful place
0: yeah so when did your love of music begin
1: Whoa, great question. Well, it began during the hip hop era of of, of rap music. And my brother, he was just such a fanatic of this one uh, particular rapper. And I had a chance to meet this rapper. And it was at that moment that it was, I mean, the rapper's name is Mm Ice-T. And meeting him changed everything. And we were, I was 12 years old and he was just so, he was so approachable. And he was just so like, I see you, you, know, you young guys, I see your drive as young men. I just, you know, let you hang out with me for a while and went to school the next day. And he gave me his autograph. He signed it very personally and Instant storm them at (laughs) school, so it was just. I I like the fact that you know some celebrities have this um, this characterization that they're unapproachable, you know, or something bad will happen if you try to say something to them. And in that case, he was just. It was just so. it, It was so genuinely received. We were all surprised. We thought we were into trouble. We just took a chance, mm-hmm. you know, to meet this guy. And he was like, oh, just hang out with me. Oh, we were just ecstatic.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounds really exciting. <laughs> really exciting. Yes,
1: yes, yes. Oh, yes. at
0: any age, but especially at 12 years old.
1: Yes, 12 years old. We were young. And we, were, well, we were ambitious young men. We weren't we, we were kids that were out just doing, uh, breaking the law or anything. We were very constructive young men growing
0: up. So when did your business life life begin?
1: Oh, my business began in 1998 as Odyssey Entertainment, as a promotion and distribution company. And like I said before, I need some more challenge. So I expanded um, learning uh, more important aspects or factors of the music business. And I began studying the copyright law, Title 17, U.S., uh, United States Code Title 17, and I just, it just fascinated me to just learn the sequence of the copyright law, and that's when I began BHP Royalty Company, and uh, BHP Royalty Company saw an opportunity to administer royalties for artists who are unbeknownst to missing royalties out there. And the first royalty collection that I did was the late Nina Simone, and from there I've love collected for her.
0: Four. Oh my god, yeah. I love her.
1: That one there, that is, is like. I, I think she has a good light on me, honestly. I, I, I mean, it sounds a little, little, you know, I don't know, out of the ordinary. But when when I did that, I didn't know if it was going to work. I didn't know anything. You know, and I'm gonna tell you, when I did it, it was on 56K in fax. So that's just let you know the mm-hmm. <laughs> technology that I was using back then. And the, 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 the response to it was so positive. And, that, and that's the key. When you're doing something with your heart in it, mm-hmm. the response should always come back well-received. Mm-hmm. If it's, if you're, if, if, if I'm not saying that you're not gonna hit the roadblocks, but you know, you're in your lane when your results come back satisfying. Mm-hmm. You know, so from there, I wanted to collect royalties for more artists. I wanted that feeling of making people feel good of collecting money that they didn't know about. Mm-hmm. So that led me to Ray Parker Jr. Um, it led me to uh, rap group, UTFO, um, artist by the name of MC Light, and then um, to Glass Night the Pips. Mm-hmm. So... And from there, I mean, now it's just my name, the company is out there now. So now we're sort of branded behind being able to find uh, royalties for songwriters and artists. So that's, you know, kind of how it outlines there.
0: That is beautiful and such a wonderful service. Because I remember, like this is dating me, but I remember when, you know, all of a sudden things were going from records to eight tracks to, to, you know, CDs, and then mm-hmm. it was digital, and there was Napster, and there was yes. these other, I don't know if they called them apps then but these other software mm-hmm. that was stealing people's work, basically, yes. and people could yes. just, like, download it without paying for yes. it.
1: Yes, yes, you are, I appreciate the fact that you are very knowledgeable about that time and period in music. Because it's very pivotal uh, at that point, because the entire industry had to adapt to digital music and it was like the baby kicking their feet. They don't want to go. Mm-hmm. So, the majors, you know, they put up all these roadblocks for companies like Napster. Uh, they were called peer to peer file sharing uh, systems or networks. And uh, they kind of used that to prevent any forward progress with digital music Uh, and as recent as 2018 with the law passage of the Music Modernization Act has been the way that companies like myself are able to administer the royalties that are unclaimed for songwriters and artists. So uh, that was a very pivotal time in music, it it really was. Um, I can tell you a, a real quick story about how I accidentally capitalized on exactly what you're saying about that transition. At the time, I was distributing music and the deal that I had set up with the record stores was consignment. So when you do consignment, you have to issue an invoice. So I was in the chain stores like HMV, uh, FYE, uh, Tower, uh, Blockbuster Music, Warehouse Music, I was in all of those, so on consignment. So um, I think Blockbuster Music was the first to file bankruptcy. And uh, I had a little product in their store. And I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about how am I gonna get my product
0: back? Right.
1: <laughs> but it didn't dawn on me that I became a creditor when I issued them, a, issued them an invoice. So they couldn't give me the product back after filing a bankruptcy. They had to give me the retail value of it without it ever having to be sold. I was just like, wow. So I just watched the dominoes fall and make sure I had enough product in each one of those stores before they filed bankruptcy. And they just, they issued checks. I, it was amazing. It was, I never, it didn't dawn on them, but that's what happens in bankruptcy court. You have to liquidate your assets to pay off your creditors. And with me issuing the, I didn't know it trickled down to small invoices like that. Mm-hmm. So it was a cool experience.
0: That, that is cool and amazing because a lot of times, by the time it gets to the smaller invoices, there's nothing left. But obviously, there was right. something left for you.
1: Something <laughs> left for me. Something left for me. It was, I just, I'm ecstatic. I'm waiting for that to happen again.
0: Mm -hmm. exactly yeah so um now as far as running your business are you um are you taking on more artists and who would be your um customers are they only very famous people or is it people who are just starting in the music industry who would need Mm -hmm. your services and and come to you
1: great question the services are are pretty much pretty much framed for songwriters, uh, artists, record labels, or just rights owners in general. So in, in the case of you, you aired the rights to a songwriter, uh, then you know, without knowing how the administration process works, you will call upon a company like BHP Royalty Company, and we will make sure that your administration uh, with is handled properly and you collecting the royalties that were aired to you. So uh, we work with uh, a bunch of different uh, ranges of songwriters and artists. Some are legendary, some are old, older artists, uh, and then some are fairly new, but we try to work with artists that have a catalog of, of music, you know, to make the recovery of royalties uh, worth the effort. So if, you know, let's take, for instance, someone had uh, 10 songs, you know, in their uh, in their catalog versus a songwriter that has 200 songs, you know, we would find more royalties for the songwriter that has 200 songs versus the one that has 10. Not saying that we wouldn't work with one with 10, but we're looking for more of the 200s and, you know, more.
0: Mm -hmm. Because you can recover more for them. Because yes, basically, you're recovering yes. monies a lot of times that they don't even know they're owed. Is that right? Yes.
1: yes, yes, most definitely. Now, in the past, um, there was an organization called Harry Fox. They're still around, but they are responsible for most of the royalties that the, 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 the there is a license that accompanies the. Uh, the songs in order for the fees to be collected. So Harry Fox has been the dominant organization single-handedly for close to fifty years. Mm-hmm. So with that law passage, it opened them up to not being so exclusive. I guess it deregulated to to a sense, mm-hmm. you know, to where companies like mine could take advantage of this opportunity and administer royalties for you know some of these older artists. They you know back then as soon as they sign a contract, they're on the road. They never see what the business looks like, you know? Only thing they see is the check that's supposed to come. So now that the digital age has uh, made things a little bit more fluid, you know, we're able to see those pockets that have been unseen, you know, in the past.
0: And what do you enjoy most about what you do working with these artists?
1: The phone calls I get when you know, just appreciating the money, just appreciating what we've done to create a form of revenue, an income. You know, it's the greatest feeling because, and the fact that it's perpetual makes it even better. I'm my uh, One of my clients, uh, it just dawned on me, it's been 20 years, 20 years since we set them up, 20 years, and they still getting the check. And that was through an organization that was enacted by Congress called Sound Exchange. So, you know, being able to keep my ear to the ground has allowed me the opportunity to be first in line in a lot of the cases. Whenever the law changes, I'm right there. I'm right there. Who was supposed to happen next? So, with this uh, law passage, it's just been a great opportunity. So,
0: yeah. Sounds like you're really up to date on all the laws as far as what's happening. Has there any been any other kind of groundbreaking laws that just really changed the industry?
1: Hey, you asked the greatest questions. <laughs> Excuse me. So there was a law, the Audio Home Recording Act of 1992, very pivotal um, because this is the time where devices are starting to change, the devices that play the music. So we're now we're going from the cassette player, the the disc man, the Walkman, to the first edition MP3 player, the uh, Diamond Multimedia player, and uh, the law was changed. One specific word was changed to protect uh, the interests of the manufacturers. Uh, that make these devices uh, like video recorders, cassette recorders, there is a tariff or a tax that they have to pay for each device that they manufacture. And this, the, that tax is based upon the assumed loss of royalties due to the duplication and reproduction on those devices. Right. So the only thing that protected that was the Audio Home Recording Act of 1992. But when they went in, when they amended that law and changed the word of copying to cachet, some people say cache, I say cachet. So when they changed it to cachet, that changed the dimensions of how the music was stored on those devices. It was no longer being copied. It was just being temporarily stored stored on those devices. So now those devices are not considered, uh, um, restricted to the Audio Home Recording Act to pay this tariff for each one of those devices that they create. So now you have the, the creation of these devices now that you can hear music on, okay, such as the phone. Mm-hmm. So imagine the phone companies having to pay a tax on each one of the phones that they create. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they were allowed to change the language of the law which prevented them to have to pay that tax.
0: Wow, that is huge. Thanks for sharing that. You know your stuff. So that is really, really exciting. So- (laughs) Thank um... you. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I love, I love, I just love, I mean, I spent countless hours just studying. Um, My office was in Lennox Towers on Peachtree Road. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, had interns from all of the local schools Georgia Tech, um, Agnes Scott, um, Clark, Morehouse, Spelman, uh, Kennesaw State, Clayton State. I had students from every, I wanted them to experience, you know, hands on what it is to be in the music business, not just to be a spectator, but more of a participator, you know and those interns you know they took that experience and some have gone to do some great things because of those experience that they have with me so you know i just love what i do
0: yeah yeah and talk a little more about just being an entrepreneur so i'm sure when you were with were with these interns you're teaching them some of those important um principles
1: yes yes so you know the basic principle is get your paperwork in order is no it, you can't have a <laughs> you can't run a race without traction. Okay, mm-hmm. um, there's a certain standard standard documents um, that are required in order in order for you to facilitate entrepreneurship. Um, knowing how to you know get a tax ID number, knowing how to register with the Secretary of State, uh, knowing how to set up business bank bank accounts and things like that. Those are things and you know get lines of credit uh, you know, you have to have a, have a standard, uh, that is, you know, received in other circumstances, um, you know, as if you were doing it with another situation once before. So you want to keep it kind of aligned that way, when opportunities come along, you don't have to change your entire program just to take advantage of the opportunity. It's more of a Mm walk-in, you know, um, where you're cordially invited, (laughs) so to say, you know, um, I like that. I I, I like when opportunities are presented like that, but you're only able to take advantage of those if you're prepared. If you're not prepared, then, you know, you're just using the word entrepreneur.
0: Exactly. So get your basics all together, regardless of which direction you go in. If you got your basics, you're ready to go. And, you know, as you were speaking, I was thinking about, I I was wishing that they would teach those kind of things in the schools, you know, Mm. I don't want to talk a lot about it because I get on my soapbox, but I I think (laughs) in schools, we need to teach children about how to be an entrepreneur, how to do those economic type things. And, you know, I, I, I love that we're teaching them English and math and stuff, but What do you need calculus for if you don't know how to read a uh, business profit and loss sheet? What what's the sense of having to do? Does that make sense? Oh, there was
1: one. Yeah, there was another key component to that your business plan. Okay, Mm -hmm. so you have to have a business plan if you're going to be an entrepreneur. Uh, If you don't, you're just shooting from the hip. You know, and business is not the wild, wild west. Even though some people treat it like that, uh, true entrepreneurs don't shoot from the hip. Everything is guided to a perfect stream, everything is aligned perfectly, it's it's aligned to work. So, you you know, I'm not sure how good some people's luck is with shooting from the hip, but mine's not that good. So, uh, I just, (laughs) I'd rather plan for it and know um, exactly, you know, what risks are and what the probability of success is.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. So I just wanted to change gears a little bit. So I know one of your heartfelt things is mental health and education on mental health. So why don't you talk about that, your journey, um, with that and how you're involved in that?
1: Well, mental health is very personal to me uh, because there was a time where I suffered from deep depression, very, very dark dark place in time in my life. And being on this side of it now, I can see where if things were intervened, uh, you know, the capacity of being, of holding all the depression probably wouldn't amount to, the way that it did. So I have partnered with a university in St. Louis, uh, University of Missouri, St. Louis, uh, called Unsel. Mm-hmm. And they have a uh, program that they were offering to train um, individuals in mental health first aid uh, training. And I said, you know, this is probably an opportunity for my, did my research on the the model that they were using uh, its a successful model out of uh, Australia. So this model of first aid, mental health first aid, has been tested around the world. So it just landed here in the States. And I was like, OK, let me uh, take advantage of this. So they uh, have you know, been a good resource for me uh, when it comes to uh, knowing how to Uh, create training sessions and things of that nature, Uh, but I I think it's so important for society in general. I think it's just, it's a part of that that caring portion of your spirit um, that we all live with, even though some don't want to admit that they have it, But it's there, it has to be there because you were given the breath of life from God. And that's how he operates with that. So you can't, there's no way you can be absent of that. But in the care of it, I think that we all should have some type of idea of what to do if we're ever faced with an individual or ourselves with a mental health crisis or challenge, because it can be life-saving mm-hmm. It can be lifesaving. it definitely can. Um, a friend of mine, very close friend of mine, Ashley, this is so ironic. I just, this is the first time I even thought about this. He's a client, he's a client. And he tried to take his life about three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And I knew, but he's my client. So at that, the moment I found, I said, I will never do that again. I will never fuse the, the blurriness of seeing somebody having a mental health crisis or challenge because they're my client Mm -hmm. okay so it was at that moment his experience gave me growth uh and i say i told him i say i apologize to you i said because i seen signs i seen signs but you were my client and i just didn't want to overstep my boundaries Mm -hmm. you know and he was he he appreciated that but I won't do that again. That could, that could have cost him his life, mm-hmm. you know? And I can I'm, I'm count my regrets on one hand, but I think I would have felt regrettable about that. So thank God that it didn't, you know, it didn't happen.
0: Exactly. Wow. And so when you talk about um, mental health first aid, what is mm-hmm. it that you're teaching people? What do we need to know? We know we know what to do if someone stops breathing.
1: Yes, CPR. Yes, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: But what about so, um, mental health? Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, mental health. Uh, we have steps that you can take um, to recognize the signs uh, of someone having a mental health crisis, and the, one of the Normal or most common signs is someone distancing themselves. So if you see, you know, someone who's usually, uh, you hear a phone call from them or something like that, um, that's usually an indicator that somebody's doing okay. All right. Mm -hmm. But when that goes numb, I think that there should be alarms that go off in some of our. you know, our brains to say, hey, let me check on this person. Let me check on that person. Just if, even if you're just going to say, you're on the mind, you don't have to, you know, go into a whole, you know, bit about uh, what they're going through. But just the concern sometimes is enough for someone to, uh, you know, be pivoted from traveling down the dark tunnel there. So in mental health first aid training, uh, the training involves uh, one day, uh, it involves eight hours of study, uh, two or seven and a half, two and a half of the hours of study are done online, and then the remaining hours are done through uh, Zoom. So in the training session, we have breakout rooms. We talk about different scenarios. Um, you know, we go through a pretty uh, uh, extensive uh, experience you know because we want the individual to really capture uh without it being so gloomy you know so so dark uh because it is it, it, it the re- the reaction to it is dark but the offense to it doesn't have to be you know uh so we we emphasize that a lot in the training so even in the training sessions we've had experiences where some of the participants, you know, they become so overwhelmed just hearing some of the stories because some of them are pretty, you know, relatable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have breakout rooms where they can go, and this is all through Zoom, they can go talk to one of the facilitators uh, of the training session Mm -hmm. and, you know, just get whatever is on their mind, you know, on the ears of another concerned person there. kind of help them through those experiences so it's a well-rounded you know type of training so we we try to protect the interests of everyone involved and one of the key um, components of the training is uh, self-awareness so as we experience you know uh, these stories and these circumstances with individuals that can become uh, more of a challenge with the trainer as well so we have, you know, this self-care that we have to uh, participate in as well. You know, I do meditation a lot. Mm-hmm. So uh, meditation has helped me a lot uh, because it's, I like to hear the silence because it's almost like you can, you can almost hear God in silence. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, I feel like you can hear him in that silence. So, and it just brings you to such a focal point. And I love it. I love meditation. So uh, mental health first aid training is a is a great opportunity for communities to become better. It's, it's, it's great for individuals to become better. Uh, we have uh, since began discussing partnerships with some colleges, some HBCUs, Meharry um, Medical College being one of them, mm-hmm. um, Harris-Stowe State College in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, so, the training is not just for the students. The training is for staff as well. Mm-hmm. So, we're trying to just blanket the situation as much as possible and to saturate as many interested parties in learning about mental health first aid. Um, this program has been very successful in the city of New York, very successful in the city of New York. Uh, so, I figure, you know, with a city being of that size and being successful, you know, with mental health first aid training amongst the citizens, it can happen any place. They say you, you make it in New York, you can make it anywhere.
0: That's right. So that
1: is so. So right. this 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 mental health first aid training model has made it in New York. So why wouldn't it make it any place else? So I'm glad that you know I was able to uh, become a trainer uh, with mental health first aid. So that's kind of how mental health first aid you know training works there.
0: So, if people were interested in taking that course, where would they find a place to do that?
1: So, you can go to tunnellightinc.org. That is the nonprofit organization that I'm a board member of. And you can go there, and we will begin scheduling uh, training sessions here. I think we're going to be starting in June, and people will. Be able to sign up. We haven't put up the scheduler yet, but they'll be able to sign up uh, getting closer to that month there.
0: Okay. Will you spell that for me? Because I actually don't have that in the show notes and I will put it in there. So, how do I? Okay. Spell I'm sorry. That?
1: It's um, tunnel, T U N N E L L I G H T I N C dot org.
0: Okay. So, I'll make sure and put that in the show notes. So if people want to go look that up, they have a reference for it. Yes. Okay. That is wonderful. Cause we all need that. We all need that. Cause everybody has times in their life when things aren't really going that great. And it's really easy to get in that spot. If you start doing that self-talk where it just seems too hard, you know, and it's great for people to know, notice that you're going through that.
1: Yes. Yes. That is is, is is man, I I help a lot of people. I just I, I'm grateful for that spirit. At times I used to be mad that I have that spirit. But man, when you when you can see how life changing that can be for somebody, that is God power there. You know, whenever you can change anybody's life, that's God power. So I I try to do that a lot. You know, um, you never know what somebody's dealing with. You never know, you never know. And some, you know, it could be the straw to break the camel's back in some cases that send somebody over the edge. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just believe God protects me in every case and scenario. So if he he compels me to help people in instances, you know, then I'm going to, you know, uh, I'm not gonna say no uh i'm just gonna you know follow his guidance and i do it and i'll tell you about the experience that i had i can't remember the name of the restaurant it's right there off of Peachtree road downtown um right um where the georgia state building is but anyway on that strip where they got like all the little store the restaurants the pizza shops and things like that i was having lunch one day with a friend of mine And uh, it was the sandwich shop there. I think they served Reuben's or something. Mm -hmm. And I'm hungry. I am hungry this day. And it was a great day outside. And uh, I got my food and me and my friend, you know, we go outside, we find a table and sit down. And as as soon as I sat down, this guy walked up to me and he say, man, I'm just, I say, don't say another word. I say, here, just take it. I said, just take it, man just take it. I say, enjoy. Matter of fact, have a seat right here and enjoy this meal, man. Enjoy this meal. Didn't know, and now the the entire patio is is crowded with people. I'm not, it was, I didn't even see anybody at that moment. You know, it was all about this man here who I just saw Mm -hmm. needed some help Mm -hmm. and I gave him a meal, but the owner of that restaurant was looking through the window and he came out to me He said, man, I just saw what you did. He said, whenever you want anything to eat out of here, you can come here and get it free of charge.
0: Oh, wow. (laughs) That's pretty. The owner
1: happened to see that. And he didn't hear what was being said. He just saw. He just saw. Mm -hmm. He just saw. And that was just, I was like, man, I love that feeling. I love that feeling of just helping somebody, you know, just helping somebody, man, because, I mean, help is good, and it's always satisfying when somebody gets it, Mm -hmm. you know, so whenever I'm able to do it, I know I'm leaving somebody with a good feeling, so.
0: Exactly, so it sounds to me like your faith and just listening into that still small voice is a big part of your life.
1: Yes, it is. We all have it. You just got to know how to hear it. Mm-hmm. You got to know how to hear it. We all have it. It's not like I possess something you don't. Mm-hmm. When we all can, we have to breathe the same air here. That means we have a connection someplace. We're not indifferent, okay? Mm-hmm. So that common denominator goes deep into our spirits, And that that thing that says, I can do it, that thing that gives you the confidence, that thing that says you're gonna be okay, that thing that says, do it anyway, Mm -hmm. that thing. when you can hear that one, (laughs) beautiful thing, beautiful thing.
0: (laughs) That is really beautiful. And thanks for sharing that story. So um, it made me go back to another question about business. So when it mm-hmm. comes to business, you talked about being prepared, having your house in order, having your paperwork, having everything aligned. So mm-hmm. how much of business is science and facts and how much of business is intuition and gut and how do you put that together?
1: So, well, in the past... In the analog era of the music business, it would be more of a relationship experience when you're doing business. You had to know somebody, you had to meet somebody, somebody had to introduce you. Okay. And um, intuition would play a part in that because you will want to meet the right person. And the right person could be standing in front of you, but if it's not in your, you know, ambition, to approach this person and try to make a connection, then it it doesn't work for you. In this day and age of the music business, everything being digital, it allows you to override that requirement of having to have a relationship in order to do business in the music industry. So now that we have platforms like Pandora, Spotify, they're now the, the pseudo uh, AMF and radio stations now. Okay. Uh, so, you know, radio stations, you had to have a relationship with a program director, music director uh, in order to get airplay on the radio station. You know, so the fact is, in the digital age, it has overridden a lot of those. Um, Connections that was required in order for you to be successful. So now you're seeing the influx of independent success, viral sensations. We're seeing record companies sign artists just based upon their performance through their social media platforms. Mm-hmm. You know? So in their the tuition, the intuition now is on them. They're expecting a great return on what they're seeing with the success of these artists, you know, through their social media platforms and their intuition is telling them, I should go sign this artist based upon how many likes they have and all those um, particular things. So, but in business in general, I would say intuition is that feeling of confidence of letting you know that you are there, prepare yourself accordingly, and move forward. Mm-hmm. That's what intuition is not there just to spook you out. It's there to guide you, it's there to let you know something else is something next is about to take place here. So prepare yourself and move forward in it. Michael Jackson lived by the saying of perfect execution. Perfect execution. How can you have perfect execution? If you practice enough, every execution becomes perfect. Mm-hmm. So now I understand why his his movement his 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 ability to sing, it sounded almost out of this world mm-hmm. because he believed in perfect execution, countless hours of practicing, countless hours of studying so. Perfect execution is a good attribute to have in your toolbox.
0: It really is not easy to do, but very good. (laughs) Well, for sure have to be dedicated, committed, and consistent. Consistent is one of my favorite words, consistent. Even when you don't see things changing or you have a hard day where the practice wasn't so great, consistency always wins in the end.
1: Consistency always wins because that is the, even though I have not been able to break through that wall over the last, I would say 15 years with what I, I'm a specialist at, which is royalties. You have to wait for that opportunity to come. I don't care if it takes you the last breath of your life to take advantage of that opportunity be ready for it when it shows up, that's it. So in this case, um, in particular with administering these royalties, I would not be able to administer the royalties the way that I do in this current time if the law hadn't changed in 2018. Mm -hmm. But I was prepared whenever it was gonna change, I was gonna be prepared when it does, so.
0: I love that advice. So I want to ask you a personal question. What gives you the most happiness and fulfillment in your life right now?
1: Mm. I would say it's it's, it's multifaceted. It's several things. Uh, One being family. Um, I live, I'm a very spiritual person. And I just keep hearing the voice of my ancestors say, make sure you stay in the family, make sure you're doing it for the faith. I just keep hearing that. Mm-hmm. So that's very, that that brings happiness, just the idea that I have a connection with my ancestors. It, it might just all be me, but I might not know the truth of this until I cross over, you know, but just to live in that realm or idea that, you know, your ancestors want you to just, you know, make sure you put an extra effort in for the family, you know, mm-hmm. don't let the family you know lose the linkage, you know uh you know and those type of things. so that would be one. the other would be just helping people get their money. that is happiness for me mm-hmm. I, I I'm I don't like thieves and I feel like if you're not giving somebody their money, that is due to them. That's a form of, you know, you know, deception. You know, mm-hmm. um, so the joy that people—I I mean, some of the phone calls that I receive—you know—they just just lets me know I'm doing the right thing. If you, if you're doing something that makes people happy, you're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Period. If, it, if I'm not saying that, you know, everything you do is supposed to make somebody happy. But when they are voluntarily expressing to you their happiness, it's not requested, you know, it's out of their, the kindness of their heart, and then wanting to express how you made them feel. And that's happiness for me.
0: Beautiful. That is so beautiful. So, if people actually wanted to work with you or get a hold of you as far as just um, business, do you have a website or what can you um, share with us?
1: Yes, um, I can be reached online on any platform at BHP Royalty. That's on all platforms. Uh, the website is bhproyalty.com. Um, you can see our services on there. You can see some of our clients that we work with. And if you're interested, we can do a free royalty analysis for you. So um, be sure to uh, check us out and schedule a consultation with us. And we'll be glad to see if there's some royalties out there for you that undiscover. undiscovered.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much. And thanks for being on the podcast Thank today you. and sharing. so oh, freely. Oh my God.
1: I love this podcast. This is, it's a great feeling be, when you have a host like yourself
0: Thank
1: that you. is so creative in, with the questions. And, you know, I think you have a, a, a craftiness about knowing how the response is going to be. And I think it's so awesome um, that you're able to get great amount of information in a short period of time
0: right well thank you so much so i have one last question before we finish what is your best advice on living an incredible amazing life
1: oh be grateful for everything be grateful for everything um gratefulness uh helps It's, it's an appreciation directly to god um Be kind as often as you can. Be kind as often as you can. And never stop learning. Never stop learning. It's life, you're gonna learn till you die. Why not enjoy the experience of learning something new every day if you can? Or learning something that is so endearing to your heart that is honorable in the eyes of others. So I would say, you know, moving forward with those three components of just being kind, you know, being grateful and continue, continue, continuing to learn will get, get you further in life.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Bishop. Thank you. And we'll talk to you again soon.
1: All right. Have a great day. Have a wonderful evening.